Well, all right, X Church, how are we doing today? Welcome, Lancaster family. Um, I miss you already, but thank you for letting me steal away to share the word. Lithopolis, how are we? X Church. I just, I don't know why. I just believe God kind of reversed the waters and you got an extra hour of sleep. Do you feel that? Okay. <laughs> no. Did anybody know it's Daylight Savings Day today? Okay. You picked the right experience to come to so you can sleep in a little bit more. If uh, I've not gotten the opportunity to meet you, I am uh, Rush from uh, Lancaster Campus Pastor. And this is the second time actually I've had the opportunity to share with you. And I just got to tell you, I was so pumped the last time I was here, uh, from how rowdy you were. Because I, I don't know, I just think that the Word of God, uh, there's something exciting when we all engage in it together. So you will not offend me if you, me, I already went a little southern on you guys. If you will not offend me, if you out clap me, uh, you can shout me down. I just believe, how many thinks church should be fun? And so I just am so excited. Uh, and uh, I just got to give one more shout out because I miss them. Lancaster, thank you for your patience with the dust and construction. Just so you guys know, because I know you pray for us. We're two locations, one family. But uh, God is doing a lot at Lancaster. And one of the things, just aesthetically, is we've been ripping up uh, carpet and tile and staining some concrete there. So they're in a little bit of a, a dust storm there. So thank you for your patience. But I'm so expectant. And uh, here's the beautiful thing today. If you are a first time guest, let me just say this. I know um, Kevin already mentioned this, but I want to say welcome to you too. Uh, number one, because I'm the one that you're going to have to connect and endure with uh, over the next two hours. And um, <laughs> Thank you for that pity laugh. And number two, I just think uh, it would be good for you to know my heart. And the truth is, um, I, I moved here from Atlanta, Georgia last September to be a part of what God was doing here. And one of the reasons is, one of the things I love about this church is that I think there's probably people here that you don't know why you're here. Besides, you hope she says yes to dinner after church today. But <laughs> whatever reason that you're like, I don't really know why I'm here. Uh, my prayer is by the time you leave, you'll know why you were here. And that you have an encounter with the grace of Jesus. I think this is the kind of place where you can belong before you believe. And you can come needing, maybe even the content is not why God brought you here today. You just need to leave with hope. You need to believe that there is a gracious Savior named Jesus that can give second, third, fourth, 99 chances. Anybody thankful for a million chances like I am? And so we're in the middle of uh, this series on stewardship, week three, middle management. And I know what some of you are thinking. Okay, I finally brought my friend, and we're talking about money. This is where it gets tense. <laughs> Why would you talk about money with all the stigmas at church? One simple reason, people are our purpose, and we want to help people. And how many knows that if there's probably anything that keeps people up at night, it's money, right? Can we just be honest about that? Can, let's do this, because here's when you talk about money. <sighs> Can we do that? Why did Jesus talk about money? Because Jesus, number one, knew that our hearts are interconnected with money. He said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But number two, Jesus knew that people cared about money. This is why he said stuff like, hey, which one of you by worrying is going to add an hour to your life? He talked to us about possessions because he wanted us to step into and live in a life of blessing and not stress. Anybody picture that today? Um, and so just to recap, I want to encourage you. One of the, the places that this series is, is kind of emanating from is beyond the scriptures is, is a book called Beyond Blessed by a pastor named Robert Morris. And just so you know, we've eaten the cost. It's $14 a book, but we're selling them at 7 bucks, losing money. 
Because we believe that one of the greatest investments you can make is to read a book and have a paradigm shift that changes the future of your life. And this book, I read it a couple weeks ago. Can I just tell you, just, just so you know, we're all in the same book. It has been challenging me. Uh, it has been challenging me so much. But I want to encourage you. We still got copies left, don't we, Pastor Zach? And um, they're available. By the way, can you give Pastor Zach, your campus pastor, some appreciation, some love? I did this last time, um, and uh, not only is an incredible man of God, and just on a personal level, a great friend to me, um, and uh, he also is somebody that I heard in January just preach the paint off the walls, and, um, and so I just want to celebrate him and embarrass him, uh, but I love this guy. I hope you tell him how much you appreciate him. It can be so easy to be in a place where uh, you get so comfortable and familiar that you don't realize what's in front of you, right? And uh, you're blessed by the worship here, the campus pastor here. And, um, and so, anyway, sorry. You're the uh, last experience, which means you're in trouble because I don't have a time frame. So lock the doors back there. Um, but first two weeks, a great platform. You need to go back and watch them if you've not watched them. First week, uh, Pastor Tim just so beautifully laid the foundation that God is the owner and I am manager. Can we just say that together? God is the owner. I am the manager. 15% participation but it's okay. Why don't you turn to the person beside you, look them straight in the eye. I hope you've had an Altoid or breath mint. Tell them, say, God is the owner. Turn to the other person and say, I am the manager. I, I feel like, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like the, the myth I have to continually deconstruct in my life is that I'm the star of the Netflix series that God just keeps trying to barge into. But God owns it all. The world, everything it contains, and everyone it contains was made by him and for him. And it's just a great reminder for somebody like me, because at times I'm like, well, this is my, I, Deuteronomy, God says, you may say to yourself, I built these hands, these hands, but then I realize, wait, these hands, gift of God, air in my lungs, gift of God, the paper that comes from the trees, gift of God, like the fact that I'm waking up to a new day, mercy, grace, gift of God, God is the owner, and he has graciously invited me into his story to be a steward for him of the things he's done for the kingdom and what a privilege that is to steward resources for the king of the universe. Then we move from that platform to week two where we discover not only does God own it all, God gave it all. He is a generous father. He is a giver and not a taker. And since generosity is part of the heart of the father, I want to have a generous heart. The cross blows up the whole mindset of God's trying to get my 10%. Now the cross informs me that God already gave his 100%. And my joyful response is to give all back to him and to give the first fruits, the first and best of every area of my life. And then when I operate in that principle, I've postured my life as a life that God can bless. And everyone in the room that has discovered it is impossible to outgive God, help me with a loud A. Amen. And then we move on to this week. And this is the week where we really get down into the nitty gritty on a topic that affects me and you. So I just want to give you permission because this, uh, this, depending on your station in life, will affect you, and it has affected me. And I just got to say this, number one, that we're all in the same boat together. Can we just say that? We're all in the same boat together. I think we all want to get better at stewarding for God, don't we? That wasn't encouraging. I think we all want to get better at stewarding for God. So before we even touch the topic, I just want to say this. God is a God of more. Can I say that? I, I think some of us, based on what we've been through in life, or maybe the, the enemies whispered in your ear, the same 
lie he whispered in the garden that, man, God's holding out on you. But can I just say, God is a God of more who wants to bless your life. John 10.10, Jesus tells us what the enemy's about and then tells us what he's about. So if you've wondered, why did Jesus come to earth? Yes, he came to save, he came to forgive. But Jesus said, the thief, the enemy, you have an enemy. And his MO is to steal from you. He wants to rob from you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. One translation says, have it to the full. God is a God of more. We're not talking poverty gospel. We're not talking about prosperity gospel. I just want to say, let's not let any of those ditches chip away at the truth that God is not a stingy, stingy father. He is a good, good father that wants to bless your life and bless my life. Can I just say that? God is a God of more. Ephesians 3.20, he's able to exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. 2 Corinthians 9.8, God says, I am able to make all grace abound towards you, that in all things you might be able to overflow in generosity to others. God is a God of more, and the more is more than just about you. It's about your kids. It's about the people around you. Why does God want to bless you? Number one, because he loves you. In the same way you love watching your kids open up Christmas gifts and you take joy in it, God loves to bless his kids, but not just because God loves to send blessing to you. Today is about the mindset that God is willing and more eager than you are even desiring, not just to send blessing to you, but to send blessing through you. Because there's a single mom down the road that needs what you got. There are water tunnels that need to be built in Africa. There are still 2 billion people on the planet that have never heard the good news of the gospel. There are ministry endeavors, dreams in the heart of this church, big vision in the heart of the leaders here that is waiting for stewards to rise up and be a part of it. Passion Camp Booth in the back where this year we got some, we got the, the amen corner from the teenagers because Kevin and our youth directors are crazy enough to want to send 70 middle school and high school students to Passion Camp and God is looking for the kind of people that have stepped into the more, that can have the fun and the joy to walk back to that booth and say, hey, you need four or five sponsorships of people that need to go to Passion Camp and have their life and their future changed forever by the grace of Jesus. No problem. Where do I sign up? Four or five. Boom, bang. There you go. How fun does that sound? And so here's the deal. If, whether you're 15 years old in the room or you're 75 years old in the room, and this, what I'm describing, sounds like a pipe dream. Can I just... Can I just, here's what I've been praying all week. Because where there is no vision, Scripture says people perish. Can I just, by the power of the Holy Spirit, try to put some vision in your heart, a dream in your heart. And the dream is this. It is a dream where instead of being distracted by the yoke of financial stress, you are freed up to follow the promptings of the Spirit, to leave a legacy for the people coming behind you, and to leave a stunning wake of generosity for the kingdom of God and to be freed up not to be looking over your shoulder about this or that, but to enjoy life and the people around you and make a dent in hell for the kingdom of God. That is a dream that I just want to speak over your life, that God is dreaming for your life. But there is a very practical thing that, depending on where you are in life, has snuck its way into your story and my story, and that is a four-letter word called debt. So we're going to talk about debt. And the crowd goes wild, just like, just like, I, I, this, this is just like I thought it would. It's just everybody goes nuts. And, um, what am I going to do without Byron on the front row? All right. So we're going to talk. There we go. We're going to talk about debt. And again, I just want to encourage you to, to, 
put defenses down and just see what God's word, again, not what I have to say. Let me just tell you, I, I'm not speaking from any platform of expertise. I am no expert. I, I'm just saying humbly, let's see what scripture might have to say on this. And let's lean on some people that actually are experts. And let's let God encourage us today. Is that a deal? So let's talk about debt. Let's, let's look down to where we are. Uh, number one, um, I, I, I won't leave you in complete discouragement um, and depression by talking about the the national debt, we, we won't spend a ton of time there, but just so you know, so you can add it to your prayer time in case you're not losing sleep over it, we are currently at $21 trillion of a national debt. And I know nobody lost sleep over that last night, but just so you know, that is $177,000 that equates to every taxpayer that you and I are on the hook for. So go, God bless you. Hope, hope today's been encouraging. Go to Longhorn and have lunch and see you next week at the X. But that's the world we live in. That's the kind of normal epidemic that has come today. You drill that down to where, the world where you and I live. How many young people? I feel like, I feel like this is the, the experience of young people. We've got some young people in the room. Just so you know, student loan debt, let's, let's face it. Uh, 2017 graduating class entered the world workforce um, with the average of $39,400 in personal student debt that they were carrying. That's $1.5 trillion that Americans owe in student debt. That's not even thinking about the horror stories of, of course, there's elite universities and, and all that that's hundred grand and, and skyrocketing. And then th that's not even to talk about the crazy stories that you've probably heard. And I'm not trying to be an extremist, but where the, the news moments that have hit of students that literally took their life collapsed under uh, mounds of student debt. We, we could, I mean, let, let's talk about where we live with car payments. The average American has a car payment. Now they're getting up to four and five year car payments. Statistically, they will be upside down and will lose complete money on that. And that's not to mention uh, home mortgage, which by the way, one of the things that I love about the Beyond Blessed book is that it takes a very nuanced, balanced approach to that. It's this, this isn't a day of categorically condemning every investment or loan. We, I hope you're excited about this. Right now, you got a loan that we think is wise where you're getting ready to step into a new building in Canal Winchester uh, later this year. Can somebody give God some celebration for that? So there are people that are, that are debt-free. Uh, they have no unsecured debt, and they, they got a home mortgage that's less than a quarter of what they make in. They got a 15-year fixed rate. They got maybe one credit card. They pay. So, so there's a balanced approach. This isn't just categorically, but let's be honest. What's happening right now is not normal and it's killing us. Can we agree with that? Can we agree that most of us in the room would say, I would love to give more. I'd love to not be stressed, but that's not where I'm at right now. And I just got to say this, whether you're 15 years old, and you might be thinking, starting to tune me out, say, okay, I don't even have a credit card. Look, I'm just trying to figure out how to beat that new halo level later this afternoon after I have a fried chicken sandwich. And then tomorrow I got a math problem. So uh, now is the perfect time for you to not tune me out, but to lock in for God to set you up for a future of blessing. And maybe you're 75 years old in the room and you, you're like, that's, that's a pipe dream that sounds inspiring. What, what you're talking about sounds great. I believe that in theory, but that's, there's, it's just too late for me. And I just want you to know it's not. And God is dreaming to bust some people out of prison today and to send them towards a path of freedom that will not be easy, 
but is by his grace and by his principles more than possible, and hundreds of thousands of people are doing it right now. And so this is what scripture, if you want to know how God looks at that, anybody interested in that? By the way, now that I've depressed you, anybody ready to see what scripture actually says about that? I'll take the stone faces as a resounding amen. Okay, Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the borrower is slave to the lender. So encapsulate one word of behind the curtains and the normalcy and the interest-free and what's the one word that God uses to describe the relationship that debt really calls in our life? It's slavery. And isn't that what it feels like? Anybody honest? It feels like you're trapped. I'm dreaming of better things in the future, but I, am, I may have mentioned this before, but I used to live in Lexington, Kentucky, and about seven years ago, uh, I was dating this girl, and We've been together about four or five months and Christmas was approaching. And so I just thought, man, I am going to win Christmas gift boyfriend award points of the universe. And so, you know, I found some Black Friday deals that were really good. And, uh, and then, you know, anybody remember Pastor Tim's talking about the meaningful gift people? Anybody in Lancaster, do you remember? You need to be a little bit louder right now. I can hear your silence. So I just need you to go crazy wherever you are in Lancaster. Aren't you glad you don't have to deal with me every week? But... Um, I was like, you know what, what am I going to do? So I remember uh, my girlfriend at the time had talked about how she had uh, really always, based on her testimony, wanted a little dainty tattoo on her wrist that said debt free. So I, I contacted somebody I knew in Charlotte and I had this custom necklace made for her and it had uh, her initials on one part. It had a pearl because she loved pearls, so it had a pearl. And then I had a pendant that said debt free. And I mean, I just envision how this moment's going to happen when she unwraps the gift. This is going to be something like out of a Nicholas Sparks movie, like Walter. Remember, she's going to break down waterworks, the whole deal. She's going to cry. She's going to be like, oh my gosh, you're the greatest guy in the universe. And I'm going to be like, yeah, it is what it is. I know. That's just the way God made me. It's just it's, you're stuck with it. You know, dreams do come true. And that's the whole deal. That's so what's going to happen. It did not happen like that. Yeah, thank you. She had no reaction. None whatsoever. I guess why it didn't work. She had no reaction whatsoever. And, at insult and injury, never wore the necklace. I, I, love, I love the compassion of your, of your people. I feel like I'm getting a big hug right now. Years of healing are happening on the platform. Thank you. Never wore it. Let's try dropping hints. Hey, you're going to change up the jewelry game? It's been a couple weeks. Um, nothing. We broke up. Interesting sidebar, my best friend, Colt, uh, ended up, well, now I said the, yeah. ended up marrying uh, her sister. Um, yeah, and um, so th when he moved up to Lexington, he, and they moved back, they ended up dating, sis you know, dating sisters, and that, that's a whole other story. And, um, but when we broke up, so Colt was talking to me the day that me and this girl broke up, and he said, hey, um, got to tell you something, but, man, you can't ever say anything. And I was like, Okay. He goes, hey, you know that, that necklace that you bought her? I said, yeah, yeah, she never wore it. And he goes, yeah, that's because, and uh, here's where I feel like team in Lancaster is going to appreciate this and laugh pretty hard because they give me a hard time about my hearing. He said, you know how sometimes you don't have the greatest hearing? I said, I guess. He said, well, she never said she wanted a tattoo that said debt free. She wanted a tattoo that said set free. And she's actually got a ton of student debts, and she didn't know if you were trying to draw pants, if you were trying to set a goal, trying to move towards something. And um, I... <laughs> yeah. Now I know why he's single. So I, I, I'll tell you, here's the thing, though. 
Um, <laughs> all my sadness over the breakup just evaporated. No joke, there are nights I still wake up laughing over that. I think I'll laugh the rest of that day. And it's entertaining. I'm so glad that amuses you. It's entertaining is that it, here's the truth. I don't think anyone at the end of the day, no matter our excuses and justifications, wants to wear the chain labeled debt around our necks for the remainder of our days on planet Earth when God is looking to bust some people out of prison today and send them towards a life of more. So we need to look at this and say, what is causing us to, to move towards debt, to stay in debt, to be trapped in debt? And just a good question for couples maybe to wrestle this week is, what is that? Like, why am I in debt? What causes us to stay in debt? And again, I'm no expert, but if I could just throw out something, I think number one, just my opinion, is it's normal. It's become normal, hasn't it? The Lord's confirming it. It's become normal. <laughs> We are paying our debts, our electricity, by the way. This is not a series because we're in trouble. But it's become normal. I mean, not to beat a dead horse and go, but you heard the statistics. But maybe here's where some older folks in the room may give me a good amen. That's not the way it's always been. It, I think more of the traditional people maybe in the house would say, I remember the day, I know this sounds crazy, but I remember the day when if you wanted something, you worked hard, you saved up for it, and when and only when you had the money to pay for it, you paid for it in cash. Anybody remember those crazy days back in the dinosaur era where that happened? And yet now, it's almost, Pastor Russ, okay, this, imagine a life without debts, really? This, what we're experiencing, is an extreme phenomenon, recent phenomenon in human history. And it is killing us, and it is killing our joy, and it is robbing from our future. Pastor Robert Morris calls unsecured financial debt a reverse Ponzi scheme that we're playing on ourselves. Where we're robbing from the possibilities of tomorrow because of what we can't wait for today. So we got to look at, I think, second thing is discontentment. Anybody? I mean, how could you not be discontent when you see laundry detergent commercials that convince you if you just buy a laundry detergent, then a few things are going to happen. Number one, your spouse is going to automatically go up three notches on the attractiveness level. Uh, your demon kids are going to transform into angels and they're going to go up to the kitchen and make their own grilled ham and cheese sandwiches and smile and say thank you so much mom and dad for the life you provided for me and you're going to feel fulfilled on the inside every commercial that we're bombarded by by the way on a 24 7 basis has the same script your life is not complete until x doesn't help the fact that we're in a social media discontentment grows in the land of comparison can I just tell you, I've been off social media since December, and it is like breathing the fresh air of, of, of I don't know, I don't know, mountain air, I don't know what it feels like. But it has felt amazing. And I, and I love social media. I'm not knocking on it. It can be utilized for great things and to brag on what God is doing in church. But can I just tell you, uh, our keeping up with the Joneses is, is compounded exponentially in this day and age. Where you compare your, what feels like boring, mundane life to their Instagram reel, another exotic vacation. Okay, they bought this, they bought that. And so we end up overspending. And, and, and I don't know what it looks like for you. I mean, confession's good for the soul. For me, it's, I, I love food. Anybody? I'm a foodie. I love food. I, I, I love traveling. And so pray for me, just so you know how to pray for me. That's my Achilles heel. And, 
And please pray for me because I'm working through this just like you are. For some of you in the room, it may be sports that you're overspending on and you don't have a budget. Maybe for some people, you, instead of getting the tuition-free in-state college experience, you've just got to go out of state. I know this is probably stepping on some people's toes, but that's okay. Uh, you might maybe go out of state for the college experience. And so you're in debt, your eyeballs for the rest of your life unless you really let God do a miracle. It could be, hey, I make $25,000 a year and I really have little to no savings in the bank, to be honest, and I'm not really on a budget, but that truck, let me tell you something, I can't afford it, but for $450 a month, let me tell you something, that black truck is gonna shine in the sun. And I saw it going down the road and I was down, so it's a sign from God. And I think he wants it because he wants me to be happy. So I'm gonna get that black truck because it is gonna shine in the sun. Well, A, you live in Ohio, so what is the sun? And B, in three years, that blessing is going to feel like a curse. Instead of living in Proverbs 22, 8, where God says that he adds blessing to make us wealthy and adds no sorrow attached to it. There is something different about a home that feels paid for, a car that feels paid for, a vacation that feels paid for. God wants you to enjoy blessings, but he wants you to enjoy blessings without sorrow instead of with sorrow. And he wants to set you up for a future where you live in abundance and more in every area of your life. There is a discontentment. And until we let God break the power of discontentment, we will never break the power of, I've been praying because it is really, you may not think this is a spiritual message, but it is going to take the power of the Holy Spirit to break a billion dollar marketing industry that has come against me and you since we've been born. Because here's the deal. The moment you decide you're discontent, and then, you, oh, if I could just, here's how you know you're discontent. When was the last time you thought or felt, man, if I just get X, Y, Z, then, oh, I'm telling you, y'all are quiet because you know it's true. Then, if I could just go, if I could just do, if I could just have, and then, and then but what happens in life? You get it, and it satisfies you for 15.7 seconds. And then there's the next thing. So the fact that we're discontent, and that we are in a microwave generation that has the inability to wait. There are marketing agencies ready to take advantage of that and to keep you in debt for life. And I just believe God's throwing a hope line today to say you can get off that merry-go-round. And you can get unstuck. And you can choose to do things God's way. You can choose instead of living what has become normal. You can choose to live in something better than normal. And it's something called freedom. And it may not be easy, but you can step towards it today. I'm praying today is a catalytic moment in someone's life today that you move towards the shores of freedom. And it really is. It, because part of this discontentment, it's an inability to wait, isn't it? it? The definition of maturity, don't you just, aren't you just so inspired? The definition of maturity is the ability to de delay instant gratification for a greater future reward. I'm a simple guy, so I like to say it this way. One of the definitions of maturity is to choose what I want most over what I want right now. Amen. In every area. Uh, if I want Kevin's muscles most, I've got to decide I want that more than the chocolate cake right now. And as funny as that is, those small incremental choices are shaping my life. Financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, across the board. I think I've had seasons, since I've probably stepped on a lot of toes already, I'll just point to me. I think I've had seasons where, to be honest, I've not been putting God first, or I've not been stewarding well, I've been overspending, and I've been pleading with God, you're my father, please show up. 
And I think I've had seasons where I'm pleading with God to show up and he's just waiting for me to grow up. Because Jesus says, whoever's trustworthy with little will be trusted with more. God's saying, I got the proverbial keys to what you're asking me for, but it would crush you if I gave you what you're asking for right now because you're not ready to handle it. But if you'll step into a process that I can bless, I'm actually more passionate and more excited to bless you than you even are to be blessed. And so I think we're discontent, and God's word has an answer for that. Scripture says, be content with what you have, for I, the Lord, have promised to never leave you or forsake you. I used to think those two lines were separated, like, be content because you're never going to leave me. I'm not lonely. I just want a new shirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how's that connected? And then I, I realized, I was like, what he's saying is, as cliche as it sounds, God really is enough. And you know what I've come to find out? The more full I am on the inside, the less discontent I the more I got going on on the inside, the more I'm okay with what's going on on the outside. I found out that when I have a deficiency on the inside is when I become outwardly obsessed and I gotta take that trip and I gotta scratch that itch. But there is a comfort and a power and a security and a strength that comes when you can say like Paul, I have learned the secret to be content in whatever situation I'm in. Because the promise of Timothy is godliness with contentment is great gain when you can say like david in psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd so i have all that i need god can bless that and i'm not I'm, if you got a black truck maybe you can take that as a word from god but i'm not picking on anybody today can we just offload any condemnation of the enemy by all raising our hands if we've done something stupid with money can, can we because thank you for all the liars there is room at the altars to repent later <laughs> listen i i don't carry credit cards by God's grace, I've paid that off. I've cut those up. And some people can have one or two and pay it off at the end of the month, get points, knock your socks off. That's, I know me, so I don't do that. But that's not always been the case. I, I got my first credit card when I was a teenager by accident at American Eagle. I walked up to the counter. I'm like, I need that polo. That polo has my name written all over it. I need that. That's going to look great on the date. And I was in a really big hurry. So I said, hey, can we check this out real quick? They said, yeah, sure. Sir, do you have an American Eagle charge card? What's that? Oh, it's just a car that's going to help you save 10%. Wonderful. I'm going to save money. Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. That's just like the cars I've been getting in the mail lately that say, hey, dear Sir Moore, we're so proud of you. You are making great strides in your finances. So why don't you take this $1,000 charge credit that you can do and swipe and charge and bang, you got what you want. So they were like, hey, why don't you do that. I said, great. Where do I sign? They said, right here. All we're going to need is your social security number, your name, date, sign that, cross that T, dot that I, and bam, 10% off that polo. I walked out and forgot about it for a year. I'm just telling you this makes make me feel better. And then I started getting calls. Uh, Mr. Moore, you <laughs> bought something in American English you never paid for. That can't be true. I mean, I don't remember how all of it happened, but I just remember that I had a conversation and the sweet young lady said I was going to save money. And I walked out of the store, with some sort of card I don't really remember, and a polo. And it looked great, by the way. So let's just move on. You know, sir, you got a credit card and you never paid. So I don't know what your story looks like with that, when it crept in, how much it crept in, how deep in the hole you may feel. And the truth is some of there's probably some of you in the room that you're like, look, I, I, I'm a single parent. The life has dealt a bad hand, and my debt is medical bills to take care of my kids. And I just want you to know, whatever seat you're in today, God's approaching you with grace and compassion. 
saying, let's get to the root of it, but I'm actually not interested in talking about the past. I'm just interested in talking to you about the future. Because i got plans and hopes and dreams for you. And you may not think so, but i got vision in mind for what I want to do in and through your life. And no one is too far gone. There is no hole too deep that no one can crawl out of by doing things God's way with God's help. And so I think the third thing, if I could just say this, is I think some of us have never been taught God's way to do it. Uh, I'm so thankful when I moved to Lexington in 2009 as part of a church plant, my pastor at the time forced a bunch of us to go through the total money makeover, Dave Ramsey. Never thought I'd be passionate about a book on money, but I fell in love with it. I read it like five times, got completely out of debt, got thousands of dollars in savings. And then I just tell you this, to, just so you know how imperfect I am, because I'd love to say, and then I kept going. But I moved to Atlanta in January 2014 and moved into my first house. Thought, well, I need to furnish it. So, hey, that Black Friday sale on the TV that I need for the bigger wall, that I need for the bigger wall, that's a sign from God. So I might as well go ahead and get that puppy. And then, oh, you got to furnish it, right? So it's got to be really nice, bigger furniture for this bigger house. So I better get that. And we had to go through the total money makeover again in 2016. And I met a guy named Eric, and I just wanted to put his name on the screen just because his story inspires me, and I think he may be watching this. I don't know. Um, but Eric is someone uh, that I met in Atlanta, incredible uh, man of God, but six years ago found himself unable to give like he wanted to. And so he found himself 100, just so you know, if you think your hole is deep, $108,000 in debt. <laughs> And said, enough's enough. And him and his wife got serious. They got, I mean, just, because here's what Solomon says in Proverbs. He says, those that want to get out of debt, free yourself like the gazelle from the hunter. So how does God feel about debt? Slavery. What's God's instructions? Run. You ever seen a gazelle run from a cheetah in National Geographic? That's more fun when they get caught. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> At that. Sorry, Peter. People. Uh, anyways, so thank you. Uh, so, but Dave Ramsey says he can tell at his business the people that will get out of debt and the people that will not get out of debt. The people that show up and say, that sounds like a good idea. Not going to happen. The people that show up with gazelle intensity saying, line in the sand, debt done. And can I just gently say that over this crowd just because... I don't even know most of you, but just the way it works usually pastorally is God gives you a love for people. And can I just say this? If you leave today, and I, I hope you leave encouraged, but if you leave today, say, man, that, that was pretty good. I, I like that. I think I agree with most of that. And, you know, um, th that'd be cool to try sometime. We really should talk about our debt. Can I just tell you gently, that train is never going to leave the station. But I'm praying for fire to get in some of your eyes. So that you go home and say, line in the sand, slavery done, prison busting out, lineage going to leave one, stunning wake of generosity going to happen, freed up so that I don't spend the rest of my life in stress and debt confined, that is done and I am moving into the more that God has for me and you are going to see the wind of the spirit come into those sails to help you see the shore. And Eric Schlegel got out of $108,000 of debt in 18 months. He started, and so I told him, he got emotional talking about it. I said, you've got to do a class here. And so we started an FPU class. 70 people signed up. Um, $80,000 was paid off in 90 days. 
I'm just telling you. Um, 35 credit cards were cut up. $34,000 was saved by a group of people who said enough's enough. I was out to eat with Pastor Rick the other night, and, and he told me, Pastor Zach, there's a, a small group in Lancaster that decided a few years back, we're done. They got inspired by this, got together, created a small group, and they debt snowballed the entire group out of debt. Met with Anthony Smith for lunch the other day. For those of you that don't know him, precious family in Lancaster, Family burnt down a couple months ago and sent me a text this morning bragging about the faithfulness of God and how God has helped them get on a path towards freedom and generosity and how his house burnt down, but he's experiencing more financial peace than he ever has in his life because he's put God first, he's on a budget, he's paying off debt, and he's doing things God's way and has tangible supernatural peace when his house right now is in ashes. And I'm just telling you, God's speaking to somebody today. And so what's a plan? We don't have long, but... Here's the beautiful thing. Here's why we are for helping people. And that's why we're eating the cost in books. And I hope every one of you signs up for the financial experience coming up that we're doing for free because we believe. Can I just, can I even just take the plane to an even higher altitude for a moment? Even beyond just me and you personally. Can you imagine what would erupt from this church and this house if the people of God got freed up? Can you imagine what kind of ministry could burst forth from this place and both campuses if the people of God did things God's way and had more than enough? Oh, a new building campaign? Check. Bam. We're doing this for you, but can I tell you? Yes, we want God to trust us with more resources to reach more people. Why would we not? Yes, we want people to experience the joy of sowing into the good soil of the kingdom of God and being a vital part of God changing lives. Why would we not and so if you need a plan because i think most of the time one of the reasons we don't have hope is we don't have a plan anybody feel the, the stress right now and janice you can come to the keys because i'm going to talk for four more hours if you don't <laughs> Let, let's be honest some of us we just don't want to look under the hood but god's going to give you courage to do that today so here, here's a basic plan you can go to the last slide it's this um and i can't give you all the logistics today sign up for a class read read robert morris read dave ramsey but Bottom line, if we got the, the slide ready, it's this. It's make a, make a budget. Jesus said that uh, whoever would sit down to, who would sit down to build a tower without counting the cost? You need a blueprint. You need to survey the land and see where you're at. You need to look at those stack of bills that you're tempted to think, but don't open them, they're not there. Yeah, come on, let's be real. We need to grow up, open the bills, survey the land, get on a budget you are planning to fail if you fail to plan i love john maxwell's definition of a budget it's you telling your money where to go instead of wondering where your money went you're going to get on a budget you're probably going to see when you get down into a budget that the script needs to be flipped a little bit and that um a lot of the top priorities are me 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 I'm trying to save a little when i can would love to throw some things in the offering when i can and god's going to help us flip that script to put him first, save, live off the rest, which is going to help us be the head and not the tail, to live blessed. thought I'd get a bigger amen, but God's going to help you do that. And then once you're on a budget, you're going to build a baby emergency fund. We're going to, Pastor Tim's going to talk about saving next week, but why would we not just go, I mean, Russ, Pastor Russ, you got me fired up. Why, I'm, I'm ready to attack debt, and you need to attack debt. Why? Because debt is attacking you. It's not neutral. And it's not passive, and it's stealing from my future and your future. So we need to attack it. But we should not even begin to attack debt until we have margin in life. 
Why? Because what's going to happen is something unexpected is going to come up. And if you don't have a buffer between you and life, you're going to go right back to the same cycle of borrowing. Then you're going to get discouraged. And then you're going to come to the conclusion that it does not work. You need what old grandmas in the South used to call an old-fashioned rainy day fund. You need... 2016 surveys show that two-thirds of Americans would be completely un, completely not ready for a $500 car repair or $1,000 medical expense. So that means 75% of us are living with no buffer between us and life. Am I getting down to where we are today? What's the difference between a rock through the windshield when you got an emergency fund to dip out of and you are already stressed in debt with no margin and a rock comes through the windshield. The difference is the difference between peace, but it's an inconvenience, and a full-fledged meltdown that steals stress and years off your life. I see some of you just breathing in. That's possible? Yes. We'll talk about savings next week, but baby emergency fund is simply $1,000 fast. Look in your budget. Look for coins under the couch. Sell so many things at the house that the kids are worried they're next. And put $1,000 somewhere where you're not going to use it only for emergencies. And just so we clarify what emergencies are, it's not Christmas. That shows up at the same time every year, December 25th. It's not birthdays. It's not, oh man, that is on sale. Emergency. It is unexpected, urgent expenses. And then from there, you're going to go down to build a debt snowball. What does this look like? This means you are going to list your debts from smallest to largest. You're not going to get fancy. You're not going to look at interest rates. What's lower, what's higher? Kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Smallest to largest. And what's going to happen is you're going to start finding some margin and you're going to knock out that small little debt. And how many have experienced the power of small victories in your life? When life gives you an attaboy, you're like, oh my gosh, this is possible. And then a little bit from that first debt is going to snowball into the second debt, and then the third debt, and then the fourth debt. And statistics show if someone has gazelle intensity, they can be out of debt within 12 to 18 months of beginning, no matter how deep. We'll take many of us a quicker amount of time. We'll take some of us longer. The point today is don't be afraid to eat the elephant because the elephant is so big. Start one bite at a time. C.S. Lewis says what saves a man is to take a step and then another. And we can all take the step to decide today I want to do things God's way. We can all take the step to sign up for financial experience coming up and say, God, I want to do this your way. And some of you, you're in the room today and as we get ready to close, I've been talking to you about money, but God's been talking to you about your heart. And the Holy Spirit has been saying that. You're thinking, he's talking about money, but I'm thinking about my eternity. And I just want to throw you the greatest offer on the table today. And that's that our story is a great debt removal story. My favorite hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Why do we want to live in freedom in every area of our life? Why can we live in freedom? Paul says we're called to freedom in every area of our life. Why? Because Jesus paid the ultimate debt. The debt of your sin and my sin, my crimes, my worst mistakes, the things that I would never want on this screen. Jesus, with his precious, innocent blood, said there is a debt that you could never climb to the mountain of, and I'm going to pay it in full. And today, if the Holy Spirit's gripping your heart, can I give you really good news? You don't have to sit down and make a budget. You don't have to get on a debt snowball plan. There is no self-improvement plan on this budget plan. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Debt canceled, shame done, 
guilt. Forget about it. You don't have to live in the power of sin, the guilt of sin, the shame of sin. You can come to Jesus as you are and say, look, I'm a sinner. No one deserves grace, but I especially don't deserve God's grace. No one here could even fathom what I've done. But all I can think about is this father that loves me so much and is so generous. And I need forgiveness today that's on the table. I need to receive the debt that I could never pay in a million years that God paid for me. And I want to start over. I'd love to get to this debt stuff eventually, but today I need to come home. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to speak to everyone under the sound of my voice that the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you today. And you're ready to come home and you're ready to let Jesus erase the debt of all debts. If that's you and God's dealing with you about being in right relationship with him, would you just with every head bowed and every eye closed, raise your hand high to the sky, bold, I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus, I see five, six, seven. There are people coming home today with every head still bowed and every eye still closed. Here's what I want to pray for you today. I want to tell you, it is not a magic formula prayer that will save you. It is a turning of the heart. But the Bible promises, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead for your sins, you will be saved. There's a lot more that you and God will talk about, but if you want a, a, a a framework to pray after repeat after me let's all pray this dear God come on let's all pray this together ex church let's do it dear God I'm coming home today you know who I am and you know what I've done but I thank you that Jesus's blood is greater and his grace is stronger would you forgive me my debts help me to forgive the debts of others and would you come into my life and give me a new start and a new hope and a new future? I give you my life today, Jesus. And I commit to live for you and not for myself from now until the end of my days. Holy Spirit, make me a new creation now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. And can we celebrate today, X-Church? You can do a whole lot better than that. It says that there is celebration in the presence of the angels for every person that comes home.